Good evening and welcome to Point of View. I'm Chris Berg. Thank you so much for joining us here on this Monday night. Lots to get to tonight coming up at the night show. North Dakota could be in very serious trouble when it comes to its workforce issue. Plus, why we absolutely need legal merit-based immigration. We're going to get to that tonight, as well as Minnesota Governor Tim Walz. He might be a sort of fossil fuel, keep it in the ground kind of guy. I'm going to tell you if that's so, what it would mean for Minnesota's economy. We start tonight with UND President Mark Kennedy and some, some might say his tone deafness, which by the way, President Kennedy has his mid-year review tomorrow with the State Board of Higher Ed. We'll have more on that obviously tomorrow night, but I want to tell you the reason he's getting the review is because remember, he was on shaky ground there for quite some time because of interviewing for the University of Central Florida job. Plus, he was not necessarily the author of the book how to win friends and influence people when it came to UND's number one donor, Chris Inglesed. But I want to start here around this President Kennedy scenario. Do you have any idea what do you think it might be, what the average North Dakotan makes per year according to the census? So if you were to guess what the sort of median wage is here in North Dakota, what would you guess? According to the census in 2017, it was just under, just under about 62 thousand dollars per year so that's a very decent income unless of course somebody say that's a great income unless of course you are the chief of staff to a university president then 62k a year is peanuts right i mean 62k i wouldn't even get up for 62k if i'm a chief of staff right higher ed president. <laughs> I want to give a tip of the hat tonight to Rob Ford at SayAnythingBlog.com for some really great reporting on UND President Kennedy and some recent hiring that he's had. So I want to break this story down for you. President Kennedy was going to lose his quote-unquote special assistant, Angelique Foster. So rather than losing his special assistant, President Kennedy decided to give her a promotion. So he promoted her to the chief of staff position. Is that even really a thing, though? I mean, does a university president normally, maybe maybe that's normal. Maybe a university president normally has a chief of staff. So she was going to quit. Not only does she get a promotion, but then she gets a $30,000 a year raise. So now her pay goes from about eighty-five grand to about $114K per year. Plus, this is the best part I think that you at home are going to love, you and I, the North Dakota taxpayer, we also, not only do we pay her 114 grand a year, we also get to pay for her $25,000 a year travel budget because, I don't know, she wasn't really a fan of living in North Dakota, so she wanted to move to Texas. So she gets to work out of Texas, and then you and I get to pay for her $25,000 travel budget so she can bounce back and forth between Texas and North Dakota. Just want to put their pause there for a moment so you could just totally digest what I just said. The best part about this is that UND is selling you and I, the people paying for us, that, hey, we got a deal. We got a steal of a deal on this because typically a chief of staff, can't believe I'm saying this, a chief of staff to a president of a university apparently normally makes around $185,000 to $225,000 a year. That's according to UND. 185 to 225 G's a year to be a chief of staff to a higher ed president. Let me remind you, President Kennedy's already knocking down more than 300 grand a year. And we sit here as a country going, hmm, 
let's see, 300 grand for a president, 200 grand for a chief of staff, and we wonder why our kids are buried in college debt. I'm not a math major, but it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure that one out, all right? So here he is, she is gonna make, he's gonna make over 300 grand, she's gonna make 200 grand. That's one piece of this story. Keep in mind his mid-year reviews tomorrow. Then we found out again, thanks to Rob Port, that not only did he keep his chief of staff, and which by the way, would anyone out there in North Dakota be willing to be a chief of staff for less than 185 grand and live in North Dakota? Anybody raising their hand for that gig? <laughs> I've got people right here in the studio going, yeah, I'll do that for 185 grand or less and live in North Dakota. So after the story came out, a former UND spokesperson tweeted this out about it and said this is no raises for what? Three years and counting now, program cuts, positions eliminated, mostly worker bees making one third of the salary, but willing and able to work from, you know, work. <laughs> Morale at its nadir. Got to give this a 10 out of 10 on the old tone deaf scale. And he's talking obviously about the fact that this woman got this, you know, promotion. She got a raise. She gets a $25,000 travel budget. And that's why I started the show talking about it. Some people are referring to this as being tone deaf. Then Port followed up with this story today about more nepotism in our university system. And I say nepotism because remember, Chancellor Hagerot fired a woman that had been working in higher ed for quite some time to hire one of his Navy buddies. Just want to remind you about that. So President Kennedy decides to hire one of his buddies, Barry Harowitz, to run the Center for Innovation up at UND. And remember we were talking about 185, 200 grand, you know? Which by the way, seeing some of these numbers, I wish I was one of President Kennedy's buddy because Barry, Barry Harowitz is getting paid $17,250 per month to work part-time to run the Center for Innovation. Yes, you and I get to pay good old Barry over $17,000 per month to work part-time to run the Center for Innovation and to travel back and forth between Boston. So not only do you and I get to pay over 17 grand a month for Barry, but we also get to pay for his travel expenses too. I mean, this is a, let me remind you, this is a steal for the people of North Dakota. That's what UND is gonna tell you. Oh, but here's the reality. Remember Bruce Jovig? He actually was the former president of the Center for Innovation up at UND. Uh, yeah, he did the job that I just mentioned to you for about half as much as Barry. Which now, if you're going to go based on results and go, hey, Bruce was doing X, but boy, Barry, Barry took it to the next level. Uh, I am working on getting the exact data, but here's what I'm hearing out of the Center of Innovation. In the incubator, since Barry's taken over, has lost tenants. They've lost grants. Uh, donations overall up at UND from the alumni are down since President Kennedy took over as much as 40% under his tenure. Uh, right now there's $45 million in research and the legislative body that are looking to give that money to UND for research as the, when I talk to legislators and they see how this money is being uh, managed or mismanaged might be a better word. A lot of legislators are not happy about that. So who knows if they're going to get the $45 million up at UND or not because of it. So. We will see how this plays out. Uh, obviously, we're going to report more tomorrow after they have his mid-year review at the Board of Higher Ed um, meeting coming up tomorrow. One thing I do want to get rid of, uh, people were calling me today saying, hey, they were hearing that President Kennedy had, President Kennedy had interviewed uh, and applied for the job at the University of Minnesota. I reached out to UND earlier today. They said, no, that is not true. He did not apply. He did not interview. So we'll update you on that if we get any new information on that.
if you are going, hey, wait a second, why in the world is a president have a chief of staff making, you know, that much money, bringing in a guy for 17 grand? If you want to contact the Board of Higher Ed, I would encourage you to do that. Just Google it. You Google the North Dakota Board of Higher Ed. You can see the people there. Don Morton is the, the president right now, the chairman. Uh, you know, email them. Say, hey, we, I want to know what's going to happen tomorrow in this mid-year review. And if you support President Kennedy or not, please let them know about that. All right, let's talk about Minnesota Governor Tim Walz. As you may or may not know, in D.C. over the weekend, they had the National Governors Association. So our D.C. Bureau caught up with Governor Walz, and we asked him about uh, what's his take on the Green New Deal. The Green New Deal. No cow flatulence, no more cars, <laughs> you know, no planes, <laughs> whatever. Anyways, here's some of what Governor Walz had to say. We have to move to a, you know, a clean energy economy. We need to move away from carbon. We need to be thoughtful about how we get there. I always think aspirational proposals that set a goal for us to try and reach is the right thing. And we can create jobs, we can reduce carbon, and we can be more energy independent. I think in Minnesota, we're not just talking about it, we're moving in that direction to, to try and do some of those things. And I, uh, I watch how everything seems to be so partisan. We should be a uh, countries and states that proposals are put out there and they're debated in a fair manner and I see that as just another uh, one that's where the people are at they want us to move towards clean energy economy so aspirational ideas with the Green New Deal two things I want to touch on here with us he just said hey we need to move away from carbon ie fossil fuels and you got to ask yourself is that part of the reason why he's proposing a 20 cent gas tax again that is a huge huge amount for a gas tax but as you and I both know, when you tax something, you use less of it. So maybe, maybe this proposal of a 20 cent gas tax isn't so much a revenue stream for transportation projects as much as maybe Governor Walls is saying, hey, I'm a keep it in the ground guy. No more fossil fuels. We got to get away from carbon. When you tax it, you use less of it. Maybe that's part of his thought process there with a 20 cent gas tax. When we get him on for an interview, we'll obviously uh, ask those questions. The other thing to think about is that because he's saying we've got to move away from carbon, is that one of the reasons that he's now having um, his Department of Commerce basically sue the state over the Enbridge Line 3 pipeline. Think about this for a moment. The state is essentially suing the state of Minnesota over an Enbridge Line 3 pipeline that the Public Utilities Commission has already greenlit as a project. So you, the Minnesota taxpayer, <laughs> are paying the left hand to sue the right hand. So you're paying for both sides of this lawsuit. If that makes any sense to you, please let me know how. But here's what I want to get at is that also because he's a keep in the ground type of person, um, he's denying people in greater Minnesota an incredible opportunity for property tax revenue uh, to take, you know, put more money there in this pipeline to upgrade it so it's not as fragile as it may be. So I want to take a moment and acknowledge some leaders in our viewing area. They wrote this letter to the editor sharing their support for Minnesota Enbridge Line 3. And I want to mention some people that, it, that uh, signed off in this. Teresa Gilley, she's a Kitson County Commissioner. Sharon Bring and Rollin Miller, Marshall County Commissioner. Scott Peters, Marshall County Otter, Cody Hempel, Don Jensen, Bruce Lawrence, Neil Peterson, Daryl Vetbach, uh, Pennington County Commissioners, Joan Lee, Polk County Commissioner, Neil Illies, Clearwater Commissioner, and uh, also a Red Lake County Commission board member. Thank you for speaking out for Greater Minnesota. Many of you, we talked about this last week with Senator Paul Gazelka, said, wait a second, I thought Tim Walls was all about one Minnesota. How is denying Enbridge Line 3, who's been looked at with environmental impact studies, all kinds of studies for years now, denying that, how is that 
focused on a one Minnesota. Also, the Green New Deal, think about this. If you can't have cow flatulence, what would that do to Minnesota's dairy industry? I mean, that would be <laughs> Gandhi, right? No more dairy industry in Minnesota. So I, I bring a lot of this up because obviously it would have a tremendous impact on Minnesota's economy, but also we now have more people from the left crying wolf about this whole climate change alarm. What I'm about to show you folks is absolutely shocking in my opinion, may not be to you, but stunning to me. And what my favorite part of what we're gonna do here is we're gonna enjoy a segment of cooking with Ocasio-Cortez because she was on one of her Instagram live events where she does this cooking thing. But I want, to, I want you to listen closely to what she's now suggesting that you and I should do because of climate change. Listen closely. Our planet is going to make disaster if we don't turn the ship around. And so it's basically like there's scientific consensus that the lives of children are going to be very difficult. And it does lead, I think, young people to have a legitimate question. You know, should, is it okay to still have children? Folks, we have people in the studio laughing at that comment. Is it okay to still have children because of climate change? Just process that for a moment. And I know many of you out there are dreaming, dreaming that it could be a Sanders Ocasio-Cortez ticket for the Dems in 2020. Who knows? That may happen. Uh, wanted to play that for you because do you think we should stop having kids because of climate change? Now, Ocasio-Cortez in her cooking class goes on to say this as well. I mean, not just financially, because people are graduating with twenty, thirty, a hundred thousand dollars worth of student loan debt, and so they can't even afford to have kids in a house. But also, just this basic moral question: like, what do we do? And and even if you don't have kids, there are still children here in the world, and we have a moral obligation to them uh, to leave a better world for them. And this idea that if we just, you know. I've been working on this for X amount of years. Um, it's like not good enough. Like we need a universal sense of urgency and people are trying to like introduce watered down proposals that are frankly going to kill us. A lack of urgency is going to kill us. Lack of emergency is gonna kill us on climate change. It would have been incredible there if she also would have like took her, her fork and like had this big piece of filet mignon that she was eating, but didn't happen. So anyways, that's the Green New Deal. It's all an emergency. Stop having kids. It's amazing she's saying that out loud and she's an actually sitting congresswoman. But out of California, some sanity coming out of California, Senator Dianne Feinstein was surrounded by a bunch of kids asking her to vote and support the Green New Deal. And she said this. We are trying to ask you to vote yes on the Green New Deal. Well, there are reasons why I can't, because there's no way to pay for it. <laughs> it's been reported now that it's like 33 or $93 trillion for the Green New Deal. When you've got Senator Dianne Feinstein out of California going, hey, this sounds great, but we can't pay for it. I mean, that is absolutely stunning, folks. So. Would love to know your point of view on what you saw there from Minnesota Governor Tim Walls and his idea of, hey, get away from carbon, like that idea or not. Also, we talked about with UND President uh, Kennedy and